The Christian faith-based film industry is growing, getting its spark from Mel Gibson's 2004 blockbuster film, The Passion of the Christ. The industry is big, and so is this show to talk about it. In fact, it's so big, we're going to break this conversation down into two episodes. I'm Martin Moyer, your host of Shout Out Patriots. I'm joined by Pastor Jason Bender and other Patriot guests, including the president of JC Films, Jason Campbell. Mr. Campbell will tell us what it's like, all the good, bad, and ugly of making faith-based films in an age where Hollywood would rather use lies half-truths to offend and mock Christianity than give its followers a decent story of biblical faith. Jason, let me ask you a question. You mentioned, uh, you know, going to churches and getting them on board with your films. Have all of your films been received positively uh, from churches and have you gotten positive responses for the most part? I didn't get too many positive reviews on my Donald Trump movie. Um, that was kind yeah, that's, of a, that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah, we had fun with it. It was this idea, you know, what would, uh, what would happen if Donald Trump, um, uh, had a impersonator. So we, we, it all started with a guy that was a Donald Trump impersonator and he lived in Georgia and he went to Liberty and I knew him and he, he makes a living being Donald Trump. And I, so I created this whole scenario of what would happen if Donald Trump wanted to go to Mars. Um, someone would have to fill in for him for a couple of days. So, but the problem was, is uh, uh, North Korea's president decides to make a visit. So he, the, the impersonator of Donald Trump has this conversation with Jung Kong Il, the, the North Korea president. So it's just this comedy. It was made during COVID. I did get a little backlash from people on that because it, you know, it, it's still clean family. But you know, Christians are very critical on humor. Uh, they're very critical on comedies. We've done four or five comedies, and um, anytime we make a comedy, somebody. We're, we've got a film coming out next month called that the working title is duplicate divinity and it's about a guy who based it's a modern day story jacob nesaw he takes the birthright from his brother and he goes and pastors his church well this guy has no business pastoring a church but he looks just like his brother it's, it, it's, it's it's identical twin so the church can, accepts him as being the pastor but he's not so you know in dealing with this film it's a big church movie we made it up in mansfield ohio david and a large church up there. And we, we struggled with some issues in that because we wanted to be funny, but we didn't want to be sacrilegious. We didn't want to offend anybody. And so, you know, whether or not it hurts in the, in the film, I don't know. Comedies are very hard, Alex and uh, or Jason in the Christian movies. Yeah, I just uh, saw saw one of your trailers for, uh, what is it? I think it's The Zombies or is, is that yeah. what it's called? On the trailer I saw it was about like some frog pod then either they dissected or ate or something. Well, that's that's our anti-bullying film. So it says, you know, uh, don't be a bully, be a zombie. So it uh, it's about a bunch of kids that um, find this potion and they take it and and they're basically going to turn into zombies unless they start working together and stop bullying and stop and start being positive. So uh, really cute film, a lot of CGI, a lot of special effects. Got a great message. Um, that film was shared all over West Virginia during anti-bullying month. Uh, but it's an anti-bullying film, but it's got a little twist, you know, it's got the zombies and we don't drink any blood or eat anybody's face, but we, it's still got all the comedy and all that stuff in there. Yeah. It looked interesting. I must say. It's funny. I had a conversation with another Christian filmmaker recently in Florida and I was telling him about what we were trying to create on YouTube because YouTube is a great source for monetizing content. It really is. So they, if the ad based system's already there, all you got to do is you get your subscribers and get things going on there. But um, his fear, and he's a he's a great filmmaker, Christian filmmaker, and you know he said, 
you put all those eggs into YouTube and then all of a sudden YouTube doesn't like your content anymore and you're done. So you've, you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to create this new YouTube impression and then you're done. And you know, Marty, one of your friends that you've talked to before, Kevin Sorbo, I mean, he's he's been right there. I mean, this guy had, you know, 600 and some thousand followers between YouTube and Instagram, uh, not YouTube and Instagram, but Facebook and Instagram, and they cut him off. I mean, they took it down, he was done. And you know, when you have that kind of followers, um, you know, anything that he's doing, anything he's promoting sells. And that was just taken away from him. And, and I, I, you know, I know you, Christian Action Network has been struggling with, um, you know, trying to stay on top of social media. It's a shame we have to do that kind of stuff, you know, to, but social media is still where people of faith are getting their news and where they're finding things like us, things like content that we're creating. So we have to, we have to play the game. Uh, I know you don't like to play the game and I know you don't. But um, I'm just very, you know, surprised in, you know, where Christian Action Network is on a social media level with the restrictions that you have. Well, you know, we started to grow pretty big on YouTube until, you know, YouTube decided they did not like us. And now uh, they've cut our growth. They won't promote our uh, material anymore. It's very, very difficult to find anything we do on YouTube. So our numbers are pretty low on YouTube. The only way to overcome it is if you give YouTube money. And pretty much that's what they want. They want you to spend advertising dollars to promote your content on YouTube so that you can then get more views and gain more subscribers. The problem with that, as you just mentioned, is that if we were to spend 20 or 30 or $50,000 to up our numbers on either Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, with one flip of a switch, they can cut us off and all that money is gone. And I just refuse to do it because I know the odds are they are eventually going to flip that switch. Like the Canadian government with the truckers. Well, we did a segment a couple of weeks ago about that, right? How the far left is using their ability to deny us uh, the freedom to spend our money and to accept money. And it's a growing momentum out there. I, I've been raising this issue, I think, for like three years now, ever since they started coming after our organization and cutting off our credit cards and stuff, which I discussed a couple of weeks ago. But no one seems to care about it. No one seems to really understand how deep this problem is. So when we start seeing stories where Canada has uh, cut off uh, or go me decided they were going to cut off the money to the truckers, and then Canada decided they were going to cut off Give, Send, Go's ability to give money to the truckers. Maybe they're waking up to this problem, uh, but I, I don't think they're going to wake up. I, I really don't. I, I don't have a lot of hope for Christians out there being able to see into the future as to what's coming and to be able to stand up against it before it arrives on the doorstep. You know, God talks about putting uh, people as... Uh, as watchmen on towers to be able to alert his people about the dangers that are coming. But I, I'm telling you, I think right now, if Paul Revere was riding on a horse saying the British are coming, most Christians would probably say, ah, you're making it up. I don't believe you. It's not that bad. I don't have to pay attention to that. And the battle would be lost. So you can see how I feel about this. I'm pretty, pretty down on it, but I've been doing it for a lot of years and saying that, uh, Christians just want to turn a blind eye to all of this. 
Well, right, right now the motto or the mantra would be the leftists are coming, the leftists are coming and they've come and we do have to be prepared and be those watchmen on the wall. Uh, Jason, I have a question or a, a comment, you know, it appears that you're making a lot of good family entertainment where, you know, families can watch, children can watch and they don't have to worry about nudity and curse words and, and anything like that. But I also see some other value in what you're doing. It looks like you've taken some actors who Hollywood has canceled and you brought them in and you're giving them jobs and you're able to partner with them. Can you kind of go into that a little bit more? One of the things I learned about, um, actors and it doesn't matter if you're just starting out as an actor or you've been acting like Eric Estrada for 50 years or Dean Cain for 40 years or Kevin Sorbo. Actors like to act. They like to do what they like to do and that's they like to be in front of the camera. They like to take on characters. They like to challenge themselves with roles regardless they're you know, faith-based or whatever. They just this is what they they have the bug. They want to do it. And so what we found out even in Christian family films is, is the fact that these guys want an outlet to use it in for a positive. And so they can come on board with us and be a part of these things in a positive aspect and not have to worry about things that they don't particularly agree with in the culture. They know they're going to be safe with where we are right now. And we're fortunate. We're fortunate to have a lot of people say, well, these are all has-beens or, or whatever. These guys could have a, a thriving career if they had not decided to things or what they were going to say. You know, uh, I think of Kevin a lot where he is, uh, he, he's definitely shunned in Hollywood. Um, Dean Cain is another one uh, that just, they, because of where they stand, I mean, Dean stands very strong on Fox News and gives his opinion on things. Uh, people don't agree with it. Um, but um, he's got a home with us. Jason, is, is there a Christian Hollywood and uh, where is it located? <laughs> you know, I people ask me all the time, uh, here's one thing. Hollywood will never make Christian films. You know, if you think about it, they, they tried, they did a film called the blind side and they had success with that film. That was a Hollywood studio movie, but they've never been able to re replicate that formula again. You know, they did Noah and that was a disaster, a big blockbuster, big thing, a, a historical, a biblical story of Noah. And they can't make movies because they don't know what, who Christ is. They don't understand his redemptive message. They can't tell that story because they've never experienced it. And so you'll always have Christian films coming from a church-based community or people of faith. That's the only ones that can make it because that's the only ones that know the story. They, they know how the story ends. They know who Christ is in their lives and how he can change people's hearts and minds. So, you know, is there, I think the Christian Hollywood is communities, which you see um, around the country, what we're seeing like in Florida and different cities where there's already packs of people that are making Christian content within their community and their churches, um, selfishly, selfishly making content to use the content to change people's hearts and minds. Well, I'd like to hear what, uh, what's got Jason excited about coming up next. What do you have on the horizon? What, what should we look forward to? Um, we are, we, uh, let's see, our big thing right now is production clubs. How do we get more people of faith engaged in Christian entertainment? We have 13 or 14 production clubs across the country. Uh, so people are welcome to contact us and say, I know nothing about Christian entertainment, but I know that I would like to start something in my community to start helping get young people and more people involved in Christian films. Call us. We'll, we'll help you create a JC Films production club in your community. The big thing, David, that um, is this distribution problem that we're having with Christian content is the fact that if we don't, if filmmakers, Christian film, don't start getting together and figuring out how to solve this, we're not going to have the funding 
to continue to make films because we're not going to be able to put them on YouTube. We're not going to be able to put them on these platforms. And so there needs to be a stronger Christian faith and family channel that everybody says, this is safe. This is good. And it's not, it's not affected by anyone else other than being good and solid and moral for moms and dads and grandparents for their kids to watch films. That's what Christian films need right now, more than anything. That's what they need. I, I agree. Now, uh, what also Christian films needs is a Christian version of the Oscars. Has anybody ever thought about that? There, there's uh, the, International, the International Christian Film Festival. I'll be speaking this year at that. I'm, I'm honored that they're having me. Um, there you've got about 4,000 Christian filmmakers come together. The guy that runs that, his name is Marty Jean Louise, a wonderful guy that God called to do this. He has that exact same thing. He has the Oscars for Christian filmmaking. And it just it's just like the the Oscars without the swearing and all the uh, risque stuff. But he, he presents awards to filmmakers uh, for short films, for scripts. And he does it right. People dress up. They wear tuxes. They get the whole thing. Um, I've never been to it. I'm going this year, though. Who votes on the films? I mean, you know, the Oscars have a number of uh, uh, members who actually look at the different films that are produced this past year and they vote on which one should be the best picture, which the one's Academy. the best director. Yeah. The Academy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, in the case that you were just mentioning, uh, who actually would vote on these films and declare to who's got the best picture, best Christian picture out there. I'm sure they have a panel. I've never been asked to be on a panel, but I've always got one or two films in there. So that may be the reason, but I'm not sure. I don't know who votes. I'm sure they have some type of panel, but you know, what's interesting though, when you, uh, when you see a good Christian film, you know, you saw a good Christian film. You you know what I'm saying? Everyone in the audience, that was good. Yeah. But if you get the entire Christian media uh, invited to a sort of Christian Oscar event and the Christian media looks at it and says, well, this isn't just one person standing up there and he's going to name the best picture he thought or best director he thought. That's just an actual Christian filmmaking Academy out there voting on these films. Then, uh, you know, maybe these Christian films will get uh, better notice and better distribution and better publicity and make more money. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, uh, too optimistic about this. No, I think that's a, you know, they, they started doing that with Christian music. You know, you know, I, I would say that you know, they have the, they give awards for Christian music. Now that didn't happen, you know, five, six years ago. So I'm sure that will evolve into that. Um, you can start the Christian action network Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will. Jason, what, why, why don't we have a Christian Netflix? Well, we do. We, we, have, a, an org, we have a thing called Pure Flix. Um, but they just got bought by Sony. Um, and, th- and there's people leaving Pure Flix. So is Sony, one of, is, is Sony even a, a company that, I, that you'd be worried about owning it to destroy something like that? Or I, don't, I, I haven't really heard any thing about sony i know i wouldn't want disney to buy it and they you know 20 years ago they'd be the obvious choice to host uh or to own a christian uh company but not anymore yeah not anymore not anymore you know i think there's a tendency uh that we sway that way i mean you think about we um we go out there in in full faith and say lord use this film to change the culture for good and as you get bigger and bigger and bigger and i've been convicted of this too and the fact that am I telling the best redemptive story? Is this film going to change 
lives? Is this film sharing the gospel? Is this film advancing God's kingdom? And if these three things aren't being met in a picture I'm doing, I shouldn't be doing it. And so I'm in a film right now that we're getting ready to do up in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And in that film, I was convicted in the fact that I was, gonna, I was going with this story. And then I met a dance academy that's all faith-based and runs right outside of a church. And I got convicted to say, we got to change the plot. We got to change the story. This needs to be a little bit more. See, and I think what happens is we get successful in our business and then we became, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it. We become a little bit more secularized and say, well, I can do bigger things or I can do other things. And we forget that it's who God that made us to tell his story. And then when we start doing that, we start doing these things. Uh, and we're not feeding. We're not feeding the sheep. We're not feeding people good messages and positive. And then they start rejecting us. Um, and we need more people to stand up. If you think about Christian films, even in the ones in the most popular ones, their redemptive stories are losing it. Does it make sense? It, you, some of these films that first came out uh, that got mainstream distribution really gave a gospel message. They gave something about uh, man is lost and he needs God and his life will be better. These things that work in our culture. Mainstream Christian films right now are kind of forgetting that. It's kind of like when people say, it doesn't have to be so preachy. Why are you making a film with all this gospel stuff? Um, and I just, that's what God called me to do. It's like people going to Marty and saying, why are you making all these films uh, about going in these terrorist camps? Aren't you, are you crazy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's unanimous. <laughs> Does your production company or... Do y'all like own the cameras or are, are you guys, uh, do you basically get all the resources together in order to make a film or uh, do you like own, own the cameras and just have to fund the actors? Or So when I started this, uh, we, didn't own, we didn't own anything. We just kind of got the people, of course, we were partnering with Liberty University. We had partnered with other film schools. We partnered with other cinematographers that had equipment. And it wasn't until like my fourth or fifth film I learned this isn't going to work. We, we've got to own everything. We can't. We got to own our own distribution. We can't work through Hollywood. See, at that time you had still had to go through Hollywood to get on distribution channels and different platforms like Amazon and all these other things. And we were losing money, and people were stealing from us, and it just wasn't working. And then I just said, Lord, t tell me, He's buy everything, own everything, get updated on camera stuff. Just go out there and get it. We'll figure it out later. And then take away all your films, and you own your films directly. You, you go to Amazon, you go to Hulu, you go to Tubi. Don't go through any more third parties. You go directly to these people and sell your films. Don't use any more distributors. Don't use any more third party people that, that get their fingers into it. And so that's what we've done. And so we own all of our equipment. Now that doesn't mean a cinematographer may come on board and say, hey, I'd rather shoot this on an Alexa Pro versus your Blackmagic. But, and that's okay, we'll use an Alexa Pro versus our Blackmagic. But you know, over the years, we've collected quite a bit of uh, lighting equipment and all the silks and all the things that we need. So even this Saturday, um, we're shooting a film. We start Saturday morning. On Friday, the crew will come to my house. I'll lay out all my equipment. They'll lay out all their equipment, and we'll just pick and choose, and we'll build two rigs out of it. We'll put it in the grip truck, and off we go. Jason, let me get into some of that nitty-gritty detail of making a film. Uh, because it's not just, let's uh, find some actors, write a script, go out with some cameras and microphones and start filming. There's a lot of technical uh, things you have to think about when you make a film. Like you have to get permits in the city to make a film. You have to get insurance uh, when you're making a film. You have to make sure that the uh, the prop guns don't have any ammo in it that's live. 
uh, so nobody gets accidentally shot and killed. No Baldwin. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what What do you find that's difficult about, uh, you know, going through all the hoops and loops in order to get a uh, film under production? It's a great question. So we have shot films all over the country. We actually even have a studio in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I live in Bridgeport, West Virginia, population about 4,000 people. So we shoot a lot of films here. We shoot a lot of films in Ohio um, where we can get things, where, where production, where films aren't there every day. See, when you go to Phoenix and say, I want to make a film, that city's coming out and say, well, pay us because they make films in Phoenix all the time. Uh, same thing in Florida and like Miami and Orlando. There's films out there and people don't get excited. They're always making films there. But if you come to a small town like Mansfield, Ohio, or Westerville, Ohio, or Bridgeport, West Virginia, or Louisville, Kentucky, and you start getting a church film together and get people together, they get excited because it doesn't come to their town. Dean Kane doesn't come to their town and make a movie or Kevin Sorbo. So they get excited and they get involved in the process. And you'd be surprised how many people out there understand the film business, theater actors, kids in school that are studying acting. You know, a lot of these kids now that have um, that want to pursue acting, they're consistently online studying their craft and getting better at it. So we just got to get those people engaged into it. Shooting films in smaller areas of towns way so much easier. You know, permits. You know, getting insurance, all that. So we've been doing this so long. We were, you know, getting all those things in place. Um, you know, those things come together quite nicely. Having people volunteer their homes, their police stations, their restaurants, their hotels, their, uh, you know, hospitals and urgent cares to be able to shoot scenes in. It comes together nicely when you get the right team together. Yeah, you remind me of a uh, Andrew Griffith show episode that I watched where everybody in Mayberry was so excited because Hollywood was coming to town to actually do a film. And uh, they started to make over the entire town, cut down trees, really got the director of the film upset because he wanted that hometown atmosphere. But everybody was so enthused that Hollywood was coming. So uh, try to explain to people why you have to have a permit to film in a location anyway. I mean, they, you can go to uh, where you're at. They don't need a permit. Go to other places. They do need a permit. they got to pay the city to be able to film there. Why do you have to pay the city to film anything i do not know the answer to that i uh you just pay it oh i, I don't know i i got chased down by a city one time that um wanted me to have a film permit in their city it was a 75 dollars film permit and i told them they're crazy and i asked them i said if i'm a wedding photographer a wedding wedding videographer do i need a do and i go film a wedding do i need a a, a business license and a permit to to do that and they're like well you know if you're just coming in to do that one filming that no you don't need one i'm like well what do you think i'm doing i'm kind of here and filming your city for you know two or three days that's it and i'm out so you know that's all it's all comes down to money um you know that's why some of these getting people excited about in local communities smaller communities always seem to work much better than you know go you know i've never shot a film in new york city i've never shot a film in atlanta um I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even do it though. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even challenge that. I, There's something I, really nice and, and grassroots about it too. That could be a real appeal of these kinds of movies too, is that you can, it can come to your town. It can reflect your community. I, I think you told me a funny story where well, you're out there filming in a residential area 
and some of the residents will come out and start their lawnmowers and start making a bunch of noise just so you have to go pay them to turn their lawnmower off and go back in the house. Well, that didn't happen to me, but that, that happens in Hollywood. So if you if you live in Burbank or whatever, and all of a sudden you see the, 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 the camera crews come out and they're filming at somebody's house and using that exterior location, you know, go start your you go start your lawnmower, start mowing your grass, and I kind of guarantee you, uh, an AD or PA is going to walk over to you and say, "Hey, we'll give you a thousand dollars if you stop mowing your grass," uh, because you know that's why studios have studios. That's why they you shoot in studios is to avoid that kind of problems. But you know, those are challenges. You got dogs barking, you got traffic coming up and down the roads, you got kids, you got you know. Shooting on location is very difficult. It's got its challenges because things don't always seem to work out the way they want to. And you do appreciate studios. And sound stages are beautiful, good, clear, crisp sound. Uh, but, you know, you just overcome the challenges. And there's lots of tricks to the trade to try to make it work. Yeah, I just learned recently that there are people around the country that make a living over just renting their house out to Hollywood filmmakers, that there's an actual, I guess, a market ad that you can put up there and say, my house is available for Hollywood films. And uh, they will come in, they'll uh, spec out your place, they'll rent it for a few days, and it makes their house payment, and uh, they can make some extra cash on the side. And I, I just thought that was amazing that that's an actual market out there that most people have never ever heard of. I had not heard of that before. Yeah, do you have an extra room I can use for a couple of days? Because that sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Do you, do you, uh, I, a lot of your films are, uh, take places in homes. Are these homes that people just allow you to use or do you have to? For the most part, it's all volunteer based. You know, um, who doesn't want Dean Kane to come to their house and film a scene in their kitchen? You know, so it's, it's all kind of, volunteer based and people see the message behind the film you got to remember when we go into a project we got to make sure that it's supported we got that this person that's kind of whether it be their story or their book or something they've got some support they've got at least you know the church support that you know when i say i'm looking for this particular house they know at least four or five options that our crew can choose from before filming so this is why you can make a film for thirty to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, as opposed to thirty million to one hundred fifty million dollars. You know, at the end of the day, it's what that camera sees. You can have all the stuff you want. You can have a taco truck out there for craft services, and all these people wearing matching lanyards and T-shirts and seventeen assistants. And I've done all that stuff. I've, I'm over all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's when that red button gets pushed and what that camera sees. That's what sells the film. That's what does it. I heard you earlier say that you were able to uh, take an idea and make a script out of it in like two or three days. How how is that possible? Well, I've done forty. So uh, you know, most most screenplays are written in three acts. Who are these people, and why do I care about them? Then what happened? Oh, I really care about them more. And then the final thing is, how is all this going to wrap up? How is all this going to end? Um, so you go into a project like that. The first one is who are these people? Second is what happened and how did it, how is it going to affect me and how is it going to affect the future? So going, that's how I kind of write everything that I do. Um, you know, as long as the house is quiet from the kids. <laughs> it also helps that uh, you're basing your script on true stories. So, it, you know, basically the story is already told to you and you're just rewriting uh something that already happened and you don't have to sit around and go, okay, uh, what's my next creative step here? So Alec, you got a question? Yeah, Jason, what's, uh, for people who are just hearing of JC Films, 
What's the quickest way, easiest way that I can see your content? Um, PureFlix has most of our stuff, but if you want to go to jcfilms.org, you can join what we call the Producers Club. It's $10 a month. You get to watch all of our films. In addition to that, that $10 really helps us make more Christian movies. So if you really want to say, hey, $10 a month, I can watch all these films for free anytime I want, uh, and they can also you know, help us make more Christian films. Jason, how long does it typically take you to film a movie? That's a good question. It depends on the story and the script. I like scripts at about 60 pages. That gives me a lot of time to do more visual things in the film to make it into a full feature, which would run about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, usually 12 to 18 days is where we like to do consecutive days of filming, 12 hour days. That's kind of what we like to do, two weeks. Do you have like their scripts thought out precisely or are they, <laughs> that just sounds like so much work to do in two or three days. The, the script is a blueprint. It sells, tells the story. It tells people where they need to be and how they need to be and how they need to feel. And then the words kind of convey that. Now your best actors will come there and, and uh, they'll make it their own. They'll, they'll get the feeling. They'll get the objective. What am I trying to do in this scene? What do I need to do? And Dean says it all the time. He says, what, am, what do you want me to do in this scene? What is it that needs to, what's the objective, Jason? And then they go through all the other things, the reactions and how they're, what needs to be said. So, um, but it comes together. It, it's kind of how it all works out. But your good actors will come in there and make it their own. You know, one of the things I learned about acting, I don't know if your viewers think this is interesting, but people say you're acting and they automatically say, well, I'm pretending to be someone else. Well, that's not really acting. Acting is being yourself, being that person. So if, if I'm a policeman and I'm playing a policeman, well, I'm not a policeman. I'm Jason. I'm a filmmaker. So I have to be Jason being the policeman, not thinking I'm going to go play a policeman because it won't be believable if I'm a policeman because I'm not a policeman. But if I'm Jason being a policeman, I know what Jason does. Jason does this and this and he picks his nose. He does this. And I'm doing that as a policeman. The audience will believe it. Right. So is that uh, that sounds like a like a, a talent that you might have to have in order to do this job um being able to get actors to do what you want them to do uh and have them understand you know what you're saying well you know that's why there's some good actors and there's some bad actors that's why you when you watch a movie you go wow that performance was not all there Ooh, what happened there um that's why you have auditions and you line people up with roles that they're they're good for and roles they're not good for um I, we did a, the first film I ever made. Oh, yeah, I better not say. I'm not going <laughs> <not gonna> to say. <laughs> I forget. Uh, now I want to hear it. Well, we've had films where um, the talent wasn't good. And, and, and instead of, you know, we're a godly company. We want to honor people. But at the same time, we make good films. We've had films that weren't so good. And we've had to cut dialogue and say, you know, you don't need to say all that. Why don't you just say... I'm going to the store and then we're just going to send you off to the store for the next 20 pages of the movie. Um, that's what you got to say. And you now you're supposed to say a lot more. I know, but you don't need to say all that. We've done creative things where we've taken some bad actors and put them in the bathroom and started taking some medicine. So the audience would believe that um, the reason their performances are bad is because there's something mentally wrong with them because they're addicted to some <laughs> wow. medicine. May cause drowsiness. <laughs> have you ever killed off an actor in the movie? Not not in real life, but have you killed off an actor because their performance was so bad? Not in real life. <laughs> I've wanted to. Uh, we had a film we did, and uh, 
his it was bad and but that was the only film i think i ever said this isn't going to work out because it's too prominent i can't change the script i can't change we've shot too much i can't change it we got to get someone else we we just can't um we've never we've only done that one time ever in 40 films and probably over 2000 performers we've only done that one time most of the time it's usually i see it on set and then I go right to my laptop and, and I'm starting to rewrite scenes or figure a way to get out of this quickly. Um, that's one of the reasons why a lot of the films I make are multi-plot films. So if one plot doesn't happen, right, you know what I'm saying? That one storyline doesn't work well because of performances or whatever. Uh, I've got four other stories. We can cut that. We can, we can cut that, you know, storyline or lessen it as much as possible uh, because we've got issues with it. So you always have a plan B, C, or D, it sounds like. Have you ever acted in any of your own films, Jason, or are you typically more on the production side and direction? I, I am the worst actor ever. Now, I, got, I just got back from Atlanta this week. I'll be in San Diego. I teach acting classes all over the country. I, I know how to teach it. I know how to do it. But you, it, it, that, if you watch that video with Dean and I, it's the funniest thing because I cannot act to save my life. About a couple of years ago, this lady came to me and said, I, I want you and Dean to do a scene for this movie and i said you don't want me to do it i don't want to do it let me hire some well the scene is you it's you and dean and your relationship and how you guys make films together and i said give it to me let me see what you do so dean agreed to do it and, and um so we sat in this diner and the lights came up and, and i was literally and you know it's a page and a half of dialogue i can do this couldn't do it so dean's over there just chuckling just going you know this is the best thing i've ever seen in my life you know not so it's not so easy is it buddy um and he was like so close to missing his flight. He goes, and I said, dude, you're going to miss your flight. Let's get out of here. We'll do this later. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm staying. I'm watching this. I'm seeing all this. So um, it's not my gift. I think there's, I think in filmmaking, I think in anything, you got to stay in your lane. You know, uh, you have to stay in your lane. I, I recently did a comedy and I wanted uh, Mark Lowry to come in and just do a cameo in one of the films I was making in Ohio. He said, Jason, I appreciate you. I know what you're doing, but I'm, I'm a singer and a comedian and I'm not a filmmaker and I'm, I'm not an actor. So I'm going to stay in my lane. So I think in filmmaking, you have to stay in your lane. And I like to answer your question, Michael, I'm more of production, getting the players together and letting them go create good content. See, that's the nice thing on my part of doing documentary films because I don't have to worry about actors and actresses. You just stick a camera in somebody's face and see what they have to say when you ask a question. So much easier than trying to write lines for them or try to direct them into how they should say those lines. So I think I got it a lot easier, Jason, sticking with the documentary films, but I really appreciate what you're doing with the Christian film business. And I admire you. I, it's, it's such a challenge. I know uh, it, it, people can't really see all the camera equipment that and the lights that's surrounding this table here as we talk to you. It is overwhelming. And that to me is scary enough, uh, much less going out in outdoors and trying to get the lighting correct and trying to get the audio correct and trying to get the actors to say the right lines and making sure my story has context and it's going in the right directions. So I truly, truly do admire what you've been able to pull off at JC Films. And I wanna thank you for coming on our show and being a most gracious guest. Uh, and sticking with us this entire time. So thanks again, Jason. I really appreciate it. Good to see you guys. Thank you guys for having me. And those who are watching, shout out Patriots or listening in. Uh, thank you for joining us. And 
please share this uh, podcast episode with your friends. Let them know that we're out here. We're trying to do our best in getting quality guests on our show and giving a chance for patriots to have a voice. Uh, so thank you. You're part of the reason why we're here. You're the reason why we're going to continue to stay here and uh, try to be as successful as we can and bringing you the best information possible. Thank you and good night. <laughs>